0: Hi, and welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, brought to you by Cure Media, the leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. I'm Sana Oudmark, and I'm the head of marketing at Cure Media. In this week's episode, I talk to Jonas Kuljander, who is associate professor at the Center for Retailing at Stockholm School of Economics. We'll talk about influencer marketing from a scientific perspective, and we'll go back to the roots of consumption and influence. What factors drive us to make purchase decisions and how do we choose which messages we listen to? Jonas will also walk us through the evolution of influence marketing and explain how brands can use this marketing channel to cut through the noise. Hi Jonas and welcome to the podcast. A Pleasure to have you here.
1: Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your research?
1: Yeah, uh, asking a researcher about his research that might take a little while, but I'll try to keep <laughs> it uh, try to keep it snappy. Um, I'm, my name is Jonas Kuliander. I'm a, I'm an associate professor at the Stockholm School of Economics, where I'm at currently at the uh, Center for Retailing, uh, and. My research is mainly about uh, social media communications and how consumers are affected by social media communications. Uh, Started off by talking mostly about sort of commercial uh, social media communication, social media ads, social media advertising, but I've... Broaden my scope since and now I'm uh, sort of interested in in lots of things sort of disinformation how that in social media and so on how that affects people but my main interest is still with with sort of commercial uh, communications how how consumers are affected by it
0: interesting and how come that you decided to research on these topics
1: um i was i was I was working when before i i when I quit school I was started working for a while and, uh, for an internet company. But way back when it was two thousand five, uh, we worked with with uh, sort of uh, websites, created websites, and worked with with Google Ads and things like that. And then it struck me sort of how how uh, how uh, how big and how how much effect this digital the digital influence has on on people. And that's when it really started to grow. And then my my advisor, my at the time, my supervisor, Mikkel Laliani, helped me sort of narrow my scope down to to uh, social media, which he said would be the next next big field in in communications research. And and as usual, he was right. So <laughs> I <laughs> I went for that field.
0: Yeah, he was certainly right that social media was coming big. It was not a. What do you say? In Swedish, a, uh, a fly. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It wasn't a, wasn't a fluke, exactly, fluke. Exactly. Fluke. I'm not sure even that's the right word in English, but I'm sure our, our listeners will forgive us for the swing I
0: think they know what we mean. Yeah. So if we take a couple of steps back, and this is a really broad question, but it's more to give some sort of a background to the episode. So what factors would you say drive us consumers to make purchase decisions?
1: Well, that is, of course, a huge subject. I mean, there's, there's, and I don't think anyone so far has come up with sort of a, a, a full model or full convincing model of what actually makes us, us consume. But at its most basic levels, we we consume and we we buy things, and because we have we have different needs for for things, and then there are. You know, standard consumer model or purchase decision model is that we go through a need recognition and then we search for options to fulfill that need and then we make decisions and so on and so forth. But then this whole idea of needs and where they come from is, of course, very, very broad as well. There are these hierarchy of needs, you know, different needs that are different importance of different importance and certain needs that need to be fulfilled before other needs can be can be addressed and so on. But one of the interesting factors when, when you talk about sort of where where this comes from, I think, is this whole – and one that's been sort of under-researched, I think, almost, is this whole divide between sort of the cognitive ways of thinking, sort of your cognitive reasoning and the, and, and the cognitive needs that, that arise and sort of the emotional background to certain needs and, and the emotions yeah. – our, our need to satisfy our our emotions which we tend to think as researchers that that we are very very logical and very cognitive when we when we when we think about things but but very often we are driven by our emotions our need to satisfy emotional needs for for inclusion and status and all these things that that uh, yeah. that drive us and that I think is is one of the strongest drivers behind these this this consumption if we just consume to to uh, to survive and to to get food and basic necessities and so on we wouldn't buy as much as we do so I think this emotional aspect of things is is certainly very strong and that's where most yeah. or many of our decisions come from this, this need to satisfy basic emotional yeah. but basic emotional it's, needs
0: definitely and especially here in the Western world where we actually yeah. have everything we need we have food, we have a shelter, we have Wi-Fi to survive. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then, then, you know, according to these basic psychological models, then we get into something about the need for self-fulfillment and things like that. And that's where our, these emotions typically come in uh, at a stronger, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And I think this takes us to my other questions. How would you say that we are influenced to make consumption choices, both on a conscious, but also on a more unconscious level, you talked about emotions, for example.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, there are again, there are a thousand different ways that we are influenced by by uh, by various factors, and there is, if I may, may um, recommend a book here on the podcast. I think there is, there's a very good one called by Robert Cialdini. It's a few years old, but still very, very
0: um, a classic.
1: Yeah, very. Uh, very still very relevant talking about you know various ways of influence uh there doesn't cover the the all the influence tactics that are out there but certainly certainly still very relevant and he talks about sort of one of some of the six of the strongest um emotional or strongest influence tactics that people use where you talk about uh, reciprocity for example where you if someone gives us something even though it's small we go to great lengths to to reciprocate and you know give something back and that's where these classic so tasting tactics in 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 stores for example come in if someone gives us a sample of something then we are very keen to reciprocate and and buy that product afterwards Mm -hmm. um i think there is one of the classic examples he brings up in that regarding that principle is is uh in the in in the mid '80s, there was a big hunger in, in uh, I think it was yeah it was Ethiopia, and in the midst of that big hunger disaster that they had, they still found uh, you know lots of money to donate to Mexico at that time uh, because Mexico had a, a big earthquake in the mid '80s, and people were sort of wondering why does this country stricken by famine sort of donate money? They should they need the money, yeah. but it turns out that the the whole thing was because you know fifty years earlier, when when uh, Ethiopia was at war, then Mexico had supported them, and that fifty years later, that sort of still st- stuck with the with the Ethiopian government. So they, even though they were in the midst of a famine, they donated money to mm-hmm. Mexico, um, which goes to show how strong that sort of um, that sort of. Uh, mechanism is i think there's a subway station in mexico city now named ethiopia because of that oh, that yeah. incident it became famous and there are lots of other these principles that are coming but you know for today's topics i think what some of cialdini mentions is a couple of things that are relevant um, seeing how we're uh, sort of my research area and what we're here to talk about is is that you're very you're very i mean we're very social beings so we're very uh, um, this the idea of, of us doing something for people we like sort of liking is one of the strongest um, strongest principles of, of influence yeah. seeing that we're very, very if we like someone as human beings then we go to great lengths to to sort of please that person and, and try to be try to be um, try to when it comes to consumption then of course that we we tend to we're prone to buy from people that we like and also one of the other strongest um influence tactics that that um, that we know of is this whole idea of social proof that we we do as other people do because we take that as a signal of what's what's acceptable in the group and acceptable behavior particularly when we are when we are sort of uncertain, unsure of how to behave, then we take the behaviors of others as, as a cue for how we were supposed to behave ourselves. Yeah, uh, And that's why we see these, these g- sort of group thinking mechanisms that we, or group thinking episodes that we read a lot about these days. But yeah. there are of course a thousand other principles, but I think that if anyone's interested in influence and how people are influenced to buy things, then that, would be a great place to start because then you learn a lot about the human psyche
0: definitely i i read it many years ago but as you yeah. say you can go back to it because it's i think it was still relevant. In,
1: yeah i think it was written in the 80s originally it's been updated since and i yeah. think there's you're now on the 10th edition or whatever but but exactly. it's uh still very relevant
0: it's like a good wine it gets better exactly. by the years <laughs> speaking of how many messages the Western consumer is exposed to. I know you said in another setting, like we are com- exposed to around 3000 commercial messages every day. Uh, and this is yeah. of course, really hard for companies to break through this advertising clutter and to make an impact.
1: For sure. I mean, it's, it's, uh, if you think about it. it's only it's morning when we record this, but you now given that, mathematics you and i will will, will, will still still been exposed to like a few hundred at this point even though it's mm. it's only it's only morning so i'm you know how many of those do we remember not, not that so bad. many no mm. and luckily that goes to, i guess yeah luckily and, we, and it's designed that way our, our mind isn't isn't um made or designed to to cope to handle all every impression that we get then we wouldn't be able to function. So it's an expert in sort of filtering out unnecessary information. Um, You know, sadly for brands, logos and brand information and and advertising and things like that, that for most people belong into that unnecessary uh, category. So we we tend to filter a lot of it out.
0: Definitely. Our mind is full with other things. Yeah. And before, if we look back a couple of years ago, it was all about location 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 but in today's marketing landscape more and more brands are entering the digital scene and social media and since everyone is at the same space how would you say how can brands cut through this noise all these thousands of messages and actually create an impact on consumers
1: well i mean what i've um what i've been researching and talking about for for a number of years and th- it's is one of, i mean it's relating to to social proof and and the influence of others which i which i mentioned earlier is this the 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 strength and the and the importance of other people that are that are sort of in your in your in your personal sphere and their recommendations and their impact on your consumption behavior you know, as we as we are subjected to more and more you know, external uh, images of brands and communications, we sort of we shut a lot of it out, as we said, and then we rely, we have always relied a lot on, on, um, on the advice of others, I think, but even back in the 40s and 50s, when this re- communications research started, I think they found that you know, 70 80% of all of all purchases are somehow influenced by people around you, their recommendations, their advice, and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, and that's still still a factor, I would say, uh, or it's still is still the case that we are uh, we are influenced by others to a large extent when we when we buy things. The difference now is, of course, that um, our our sphere of influence, our, our the people that we take advice from, has grown from our friends, immediate family to sort of a, a digital. Uh, the digital realm as well so we're now taking advice people close to us can be doesn't have to be in your in your house or at your workplace they can be hundreds of miles away and communicate with you digitally and that's we've seen I mean, the growth of 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 word-of-mouth marketing and influencer marketing has been a testament to that i mean it's a very effective way of cutting through this clutter is to to go through through people you know and people you were influenced by uh, both online and also offline still important
0: yeah.
1: but online has certainly grown
0: definitely yeah we used to say that that this is both the oldest and the newest form of
1: marketing yeah i mean yeah if you think about it you know when we started first started to to settle among was it the euphrates river i mean you still wanted advice on what what's what, what <laughs> bread to buy and whatnot and you talk to people yeah, and you got advice from it think. so it's the oldest form of marketing there is But, you know, given which Cialdini has shown and which other people have shown, it's still one of the, or I'd say the most effective way of of getting through is to going through someone you you like and you trust when you get this, this advice.
0: I agree. And we touched upon it a bit earlier, but if you would take out three things, why it's so effective compared to other channels, what would you say are the three main things?
1: I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, three things. It's difficult to boil it down to three things. Again, you, you know, we as researchers tend to, when you ask us a question, <laughs> we tend to just talk on, but um, if I talk a little bit about it, it's, it's basically, I mean, since we're exposed to, to so many, so many messages, then we need some sort of a way to cut through all the noise and, and make a and sort of effective to save also cognitive energy because you can't process all these messages. And a shortcut to that is to to for the, to take the advice of other people. And if you talk to these other people, then you, you know that our friends, our acquaintances, they, they have our best interest at heart. So that's what we assume. So their, um, their advice sort of cut through this filter. You have this, this filter of suspicion, or I would say, against commercial messages yeah. uh, because you know that the intent behind it is, is selling us stuff. Exactly. but when when it comes from friends and acquaintances we don't have that we that we assume that it's not to to sell product we assume that people will have no personal gain in recommending things to us most of the time at least and as a result we don't uh we don't have the same level of suspicion against those people so it cuts through this this filter
0: and even today i mean most of us know that influencer collaborations that they get paid that it's some sort of advertising why would you say that it's still effective why why do we still trust this and relate to it
1: well first of all i would say that uh, and it's important to understand that it's not as effective um, these uh, and there's been there has been quite a few uh, research studies on that on sort of how sponsored messages compared to, to organic messages for, for effectiveness in terms of you know liking of brands and things like that. And it, it, typically in the research, we have something or in psychology, they refer to something called persuasion knowledge, which is basically the, the knowledge of, of persuasion that's being activated uh, once we're exposed to commercial messages. Then we sort of, we know that that we someone is trying to convince us to buy something and that are then certain tactics and, and knowledges are being activated for how to resist and how to, to counter those kind of messages. Right. But um still it's it's um you know still some of it it cuts through and I think there are there are some interesting um interesting explanations for it. I mean there are you can there are psychological research that says basically that uh, we uh, for a lot of us, especially for people that we like and trust, uh, there are we tend to over uh, underestimate, you know, situational factors and, and and overestimate personal disposition. Meaning that even though we know something is sponsored, we tend to think that uh, people still people still like it a little bit. We know they get paid, but you know mm. they wouldn't do this unless they actually liked it a little bit anyway. Right, which goes to show that I mean for for that the importance of, of matching if we talk about you know distinct tactics here the importance of actually matching you know, influencers and spokesperson with with the brand to make it a, a decent match if it's too weird the connection then then it's difficult to to sort of get that that effect of, of that mechanism but but people tend to to underestimate to an extent, the fact that people are getting paid and, and overestimate, you know, personal liking, personal dispositions for this, mm. but um, there's still this element of, of, uh, of you know, that you're getting paid, but you still typically mm. get an effect of these messages.
0: Yeah, but I think it's very interesting that you highlight this because a couple of years ago it was, I think, much easier to succeed with this channel because now we're more skeptical and we have seen seen it a couple of years and yeah. we are critical consumers in order to succeed you need to have a much more sophisticated approach and a more I mean, profound strategy
1: yeah exactly and you need to be be very clear and be aware of all these these you know factors that influence because now people tend to assume even I mean we've seen in, in the research people tend to assume that even organic posts that are not you know marked sponsorship, Somewhere, people assume that a lot of that is also sponsored and not and not marked properly as a sponsored content. So there's a growing amount of suspicion that you know everything is being sponsored and everything is being being um, be, is sort of um, commercial in nature. Yeah. Um, to an extent that we see, I'm not sure uh, I know how much you see that, but but I've seen well, we've done some research on people influencers actually writing that you know this is not sponsored content they have to add those kind of disclaimers to to some of the content as well as like please note this is not sponsored this is my own personal opinion
0: yeah
1: Uh, so i mean so there's this this element and that's that's an is an issue for for a lot of people in in that business but there's so much psychology at play here and so much as you say a few years ago was easier because people weren't aware of these how much money was in this kind of marketing but now as as you know media is picking up on it and there's been these yeah there's been these actors out there yeah exactly so then now it's uh, it's you need to be to be more professional and be more aware of how to to match match influencer and brand and how to to so that this credibility is there which is is you know, key for how to for creating effective content